everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume 3, Issue 145. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 3, our next five issues, uh, to conclude Volume 3, our third year, Brutal Legend. Team Fortress 2, Medal of Honor, Allied Assault, Dragon Age, Origins, and Awakening, and Hotline Miami. Head to caneandrinse.com for the full schedule. Um, in fact, that is the full schedule, I think, um, as we haven't announced anything from Volume 4 officially yet. Uh, the blog is also there, of course, with features uh, and reviews, links to our merchandise stall if you want to buy a cool Cane and Rinse t-shirt or bag. And then, of course, we have Facebook pages, Google Plus circles and a YouTube channel. And as ever, please do try to remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, and even better, if you can review or rate us or both. Excellent. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, James Carter. I'm wearing my special pants. And uh, in the UK, that doesn't mean trousers. No. <laughs> Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And Ryan Heyman. Walking through already open doors is my specialty. <laughs> He's also wearing pants. Well... I don't know, I assume he is, but they are American pants. Indeed. This is how uh, being an American is going to get me in trouble in this episode, I think. Yeah. Yes. Let's not get on to bumming fags and all the other confusing... (laughs) Anyway, uh, I'm going to issue a spoiler warning for this one, um, which may surprise people who haven't played Gunpoint and have come to this thinking, what's this Gunpoint game or what's all the fuss about? Um, But it does have a plot um, and actually quite uh, an involved one and one that you can mold to your whims in a, in a certain way but we'll get on to that but yes uh y- we could spoil it i don't think i can because i don't think i know it well enough to spoil it but <laughs> but the rest of the guys probably do knowing the way these things go so uh gunpoint is uh mainly the work uh in terms of design and programming of one man tom francis you may know the name because he spent 9 years as a games journalist primarily on pc gamer magazine I don't know if he he probably did some freelance as well and maybe some other organs and outlets, I don't know. Working under the name Suspicious Developments. It's quite a cool name. And I believe before this game, am I right in thinking, chaps, he'd... Had he released one game before this uh, on a sort of browsery game, or is or was it just that floating... Was it Floating Point start, he started work on it before and it's still going? I'm not actually sure. As I understand it, this development of Gunpoint was the first thing he'd done beyond... Designing a few levels for Doom, I think Quake, uh, Duke Nukem maybe, um, that had level editor stuff in. So it may be right. Floating Point was ongoing alongside Gunpoint. Yeah, on his blog he says that uh, 70,000 some people have played Floating Point, which is a very different looking thing, although it's also 2D. One of the interesting things about the making of gunpoint is that he pretty much threw it out there in terms of getting artists and musicians involved and he hasn't even met most of them in the flesh i don't believe from from what he said so he uh i, I don't know if it was on his own blog or or whether he went to you know wider forums but he ended up getting uh, a couple of artists involved john roberts and fabian van domelen one of whom worked on backgrounds one of whom who worked on sprite art character art things like that and also three separate composers were, were roped in to provide different pieces of music. Uh, Ryan Ike, who'd provide music for some other indie games, Interference and Shadow Lab. John Robert Matz, uh, Artemis the Spaceship Bridge Simulator and Rodina. And uh, Francisco Cerda, or Cerda, or Curda, 
who'd uh, made music for Jamestown. Um, lots of these sort of relatively well-known indie games. The game came out worldwide on Windows alone, Windows and Windows only, uh, June 3rd, 2013. And as of right now, that is the only version you can play. I don't think the game works on anything else, Linux or OS X, um, but such conversions I, I'm sure in the works. Our correspondent, Mr. Flabio, says, still no Mac version, sad face. But we were talking earlier before we started recording. Um, there was an update for the game on Steam today, um, but it's not the first one. And we were speculating that this might be laying the groundwork for more versions. It seems likely. It seems like uh, Mac and Linux versions are testing at the moment. So uh, whether that's people have applied for testing or, or whatever. Basically on, on the blog it says that testing is, is ongoing. Um, it sounds like the company that are doing the port actually had to rebuild an entire engine to get wow. it to work. So it sounds like yeah, Abstraction have done a massive job just to try and move the game over. So, okay, so it's it's gone third party, as a lot of these games do. Now, he's made that this was his first uh, full game developed. He made it in um, the Game Maker software, which mm. uh, I've, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not clever enough to use even a thing like that. But um, it seems to be quite a, a potent and flexible piece of software. Was uh, To the Moon made in Game Maker as well? No, that was uh, RPG Maker. It's a little bit RPG different. RPG Maker. Yeah, okay. So, so yeah, I think Spelunky was originally Game Maker, possibly, although it might have been RPG Maker. Um, and Josh, yes. you were about to say Outline Miami might be another one. But, um, okay, yeah. Um, my friend uh, has dabbled in it, and he says, you know, it's quite, it, it, it is quite usable, but it's also, because it is ultimately as powerful enough to make games of this quality, it, there, is, there is a lot to learn. And obviously, as the fact that he's had this, uh, he's getting this converted by a, a third party, it doesn't just come with a magic game maker button that says convert to, <laughs> convert to Linux or it, OS X. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> no. I, I've, I've certainly read something on the blog to say that abstraction basically had to to build an engine to allow it to work so they've they've taken obviously the the level design the art everything but they've basically had to rebuild the engine that tom kind of built within game maker using various modules etc and at, at the moment if you've got gunpoint on steam it seems like under the betas tab if you right click and go to properties uh, on your library um, you can select the uh, mac linux beta and if you're running steam on a, a Mac or uh, Linux operating system, you should be able to to beta test it. So I think that's probably what some of the updates that are coming out at the moment are. It may well be that they're just updating those versions, but not actually affecting the uh, the Windows PC version. Or possibly just still tweaks and improvements based yeah. on feedback and stuff. Obviously, we'll get on to talking about the control uh, method. Um, and this is so this is, this game is uh, heavily mouse controlled, and so it, you I don't think you could easily port it and keep it as much fun if you just ported it to, say, a home console with using a standard controller. But I can imagine, it, it, similarly, you wouldn't want it probably to play it on, a, on, a, on a, like an iPhone-sized screen or a 3DS-sized screen because everything would be so, so diddy and, and dinky. But I can imagine it working on an iPad. Yeah. And yeah. maybe a Vita with touchscreen, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see that. One of these, uh, one of the things that sort of got some publicity about Gunpoint was the fact that, um, as Tom Francis had it, the game uh, recouped its development costs in just over a minute. Now that was because he decided, uh, in his mind, the only development costs were the the Game Maker Eight software, which was thirty dollars, trip to the games develop 
developers conference he, because he was still working at the same time he didn't actually count his time as such he, he actually only counted the 30 pounds or 30 dollars for game maker as being recouped in 64 seconds right he then went on to say that if you count going to gdc right. and, and associated kind of publicity that he was doing just off his own back then it, it took like an hour or something to to recoup yeah, those sure, costs okay. but um but yeah it, it's a nice headline but it, yeah it needs some caveats on there unfortunately before it's actually anyway it did well enough for him to Im- almost immediately quit his job the game received some lovely reviews from destructoid and polygon and ign and video gamer and Gamefront and joystick and kotaku and all those places and, and notably not PC Gamer, who who refused to, or not refused, they said it would probably be in their best interest not to review the game, given it could obviously yes. lead to accusations of conflict yeah, Indeed, interest, it might be a more accurate accusation of bias than certain others. <laughs> than, than some others <laughs> doing the rounds, yeah. So our histories with the game, I imagine this is, this is a simple one. There's only one type, there's only one version of this game, and uh, it's only been out it, just slightly more than a year. Josh? Yeah, I I had no uh, no idea about this game until it came out, and uh, all the right people were saying all the right things about it, and I kind of just bought it on a whim, kind of like, oh, what the hell? It sounds like my kind of thing, so I'll just buy it and see what I think. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, doesn't take long to play through either, so you can you can have an opinion fairly quickly on this game. Uh, Ryan, what about you? It really surprised me seeing that the release date was only just about like a little bit before this time last year. Like, I feel like this has been a part of my life for much longer than that, but I (laughs) I guess not. I I don't really remember the circumstances of picking it up, but I I seem to remember like maybe playing like a demo or a beta or something beforehand, but that could be entirely wrong. But either way, I was pretty like quick right out the door to play this one and, uh, Really enjoyed it from the get-go. James? It was actually about January 2013. I, I can't... I want to say I can specifically remember the article, but I was reading something entirely different, uh, nothing to do with Gunpoint, that Tom Francis had, had written. I think it was just a Twitter link or something that had been uh, sent to me. Um, and, and that actually made me aware that... Um, Basically, the way this game was covered for a good year or so before it came out was, oh, this guy who writes about games is making a game. And so inevitably, I I was reading some article about a completely different game, something Tom Francis had written in his day job, what he did for a living back then. And almost as tick follows talk, the next thing I heard was, oh, this this guy's making a game, which which is fine. It served the game perfectly well in terms of getting word out there. I think it's just it's it's understandable, but it irks me a little that immediately following Gunpoint is a game made by a games journalist or games writer or whatever you want to call that particular profession. It seemed to be that that was kind of what everyone had to say about it. And that was Mm. the basis for um, I, I know. Tom in, in the developer making of video um, said that once he started showing the game and released demo versions to play etc suddenly people wanted to interview him and it seems like every interview at that stage was how did you go about making a game why are you making a game that kind of thing hmm. which as I say is perfectly understandable but it just seemed a bit weird that that was all people had to say about when as it turns out Gunpoint is just to my mind, a really interesting game in and of itself, whether or not someone happened to be a writer beforehand and turned their hand to making a game. 
Yeah, and it's certainly not like it's a, a unique situation. Maybe in the way he did it, in that he carried on working as a journalist while he was while he was making it on Game Maker and releasing yeah, it himself. Yeah, and, and him him being solely responsible for designing it, whereas a lot yeah. of other people make that transition into a community manager or a writer. Yeah, part of a larger studio. In, inside a bigger organisation, whereas for him, this was supposed to be a calling card to get him that job that he now says he doesn't doesn't actually want. So yeah, I, I just heard about this tangentially related to an article I read of his um, in January and just started kind of following it. And again, bullet points about the game being a stealth noir game. Again, everything I heard about it kind of grabbed my attention more and more. And so I was I was there ready to, to buy it on Steam. As so often happens now, I know a game's coming out and uh, have to wait until I get home from work and, and uh, pick it up. There's probably a wider conversation to be had about whether somebody who has, you know, put themselves forward as a critic of games, um, Mm. certainly professionally, uh, should automatically be able to make good games. I don't mean, you know, because they won't Mm. all necessarily have a leaning towards, like me, I've written about games professionally, I've done a lot of podcasts, but I don't think I'd be very good at using Game Maker. However, if somebody else was asking me to consult on their game and refine things that were annoying you know the stuff we talk about on here as being problematic and decisions that we don't understand i'd like to think i could make a game better by um by talking to a developer about it possibly not in genres i'm less familiar with but for him to to make this game obviously you know this game was critically applauded and um i think it's got a lot of things about it that show that a lot of thought and somebody who spent a lot of years playing games and going why did they do that um (laughs) has has you know, polished off a lot of those rough edges. So it's an interesting thing. Tom actually him, himself said that he'd spent an awful long time writing about games and often suggesting changes that could have been made yeah. to improve the game. So not just saying what he didn't like, but actually constructively they're then suggesting an alternative. Um, so just as you say, it, what, what it means is it, that could lend itself to sort of consultancy role. And I know... Um, Jeff Green, um, when he made the step from various different publications to to working for um, EA at, at the time, what he said was what happened with a lot of writers and, and himself was, first thing that happened was they were given a game and asked to write a review as if they were reviewing it, because obviously yeah. that then helps the developer and the publisher change the game to get it a quote-unquote better critical reception yeah. and higher Metacritic is essentially what they're talking mm. about. Um, but it's interesting that he saw from that perspective, if he was able to think of ways to improve a game, that that was a step towards then being able to come up with a game him, himself. Whereas I guess it sounds like you don't necessarily feel that that's an easy link for you to. to oh make. no, I'm saying it should. I mean, I'm saying I think it should. If anything, yeah, you yeah. know, being a critic means that you should have yeah. uh, an insight into what what works and what doesn't. But obviously, you're not necessarily predisposed towards being the kind of person who can get into programming languages yeah, or make the mathematical yeah, yeah. you know mm. um jump through the mathematical hoops and, and other mm. design things required to use that software yeah i seem to remember that uh, yahtzee Krishah, who you could argue is more of an entertainer than a serious game critic has uh, created another kind of 2d stealth game kind of like this one so mm. it's uh it's a move that a few people have made before 
Um, yeah, talking of professional critics, that's how I got this game. That's my history with the game. I received a review code of it um, last summer, um, and it was one of the games that didn't warrant uh, for this, you know, the very mainstream site bt.com that I was working for. So it was a uh, a small, you know, short review. Um, as such, I d- didn't get to play the whole game at all. That was one of the things I didn't like about that job was uh, reviewing things completely unlike on Kane and Rince, um, after only playing them for an hour or so. But I stand by what I what I said, and I gave it a positive review. And I, yeah, I, I still feel exactly the same way I did about it. Now that I've played it through um, this last week or so, in yeah, pretty much two sessions, because as we will discover, it's not very long. So the game comes with uh, a number of uh, excellent bonus features, um, including uh, an in-game developer commentary, um, which has got some quite funny additions from. Um, the artists have obviously been roped in and the, and the, the music designer as well, as well as Tom Francis. And a making of video, which is about, what, it's about half an hour long? Something uh, 40 minutes, something. 40 minutes. Yeah, 40 minutes. Um, you know, just very, very, very low budget, low key. Just Tom Francis talking to a camera in what looks like his house, um, going through the process and occasionally playing a version of the game, going all the way back to three years ago when he started making it. And quite handily, although I didn't spend a lot of time playing them, part of your your pro, uh, your gunpoint package on Steam comes with the prototype pack, which I think is like nine different iterations of the game during its development. He says there's a thousand, but yeah, obviously nine sort of key, key ones. stages throughout. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right from the very start when you've just got a little trench coat dude and you can just make him jump. You've got no... You make him jump with the mouse as you do in the final game, but you've got no sort of aiming line, as it were, um, and there's no actual goal for the rooms that you're in um, and you can get stuck and various things yeah you can you can go through the development of the game i would imagine it, it, it's an interesting thing but probably even more so if you intend to make a game yourself or so or probably if you're into using game maker you can probably i assume you can load it into that and actually go in and look at how he's done stuff At the end of the game he credits 15,597 testers so, you know, although he trusted himself, obviously, in a lot of ways to make a good game and hearing him talking about a lot of the decisions he made, a lot of the things he changed, a lot of the things he took out because they weren't fun, a lot of the things he put in to make the game more fun, even if it was slightly counter to his original vision. Um, he was, you know, he, he put this through a lot of testing, you know, people on uh, people out there on the Internet telling him, you know, what they liked and what they didn't like, you know, even such trivial things as in an, in an earlier version the um the sound of hacking a computer made a windows alert noise so uh, of course even when i was watching the video i kept thinking what is going on with my computer when you're playing the game you're thinking oh i'm going to have to tab out and see what's up with my computer stuff like that you wouldn't necessarily think of because you're playing the game you know what it's doing and you don't think about it but then much more fundamental things like his plan was originally you could have more than one type of thing on the same colored circuit so uh, in the game, there's different electrical circuits and you can't necessarily cross one into the other. But uh, one of the original prototypes he had, you could cross link between different circuits. Yeah. It made a certain amount of sense. Uh, but what he en- ended up doing was having to rewire it to make it slightly more realistic so that all lights on the same floor would be on the same circuit because it wouldn't necessarily make sense not to. And what that did was limit some of the... Um, yeah, some of the the puzzles. It was interesting that one that he actually thought that the realism outweighed the. the but he also said it looked ugly to have multiple colours crossing over. But I I imagine that it would have made the game either 
one extreme or the other, either massively too complex or mm. or too achievable, you know, to just mm-hmm. because you could just, you know, do anything with anything. Because a lot of the game is about moving between the different circuits. There's um, there's a lot of discussion in the making of video about how to balance the game so that Richard Conway, the main character, isn't too powerful, yeah. but equally well isn't frustratingly weak either. Because one of the one of the early prototypes, the jumping wasn't as kind of intuitive and easy to easy to use, and with the guards having to shoot, or rather with the guards shooting uh, and and one shotting the main character, yeah. um, but he also had them on a randomized not even an AI pattern, it was just a randomized pattern so that they would they would start off all in sync where they were facing one direction or the other. And then as the level went on, they would randomly go out of sync. So you would never be able to kind of do that thing you do in stealth games, which is learn the patterns and try and work out where your timing is to get through. It would be much more random than that because you wouldn't know if mid-jump the guard would turn around and shoot you which made the main character seem incredibly weak, despite the fact the changes he then made to that to give the AI a pattern didn't necessarily make the character more powerful. It was still a one-shot kill. Um, It just meant that the player had a bit more power in terms of agency of being able to to manipulate the world to to suit themselves and their proposed solution, um, which is really interesting. He talks a lot about sort of the ability to manipulate the world, which is something that's really interesting because a lot of games don't necessarily allow you the ability to do that. Or the manipulation of the world is just shooting someone in the head and having them disappear, um, which isn't really changing the world at all. Mm. So for for the longest time during the three years of development, Tom Francis uh, intended this game to be a free thing he was making it for fun and he was going to put it out there for fun and he had no intention of charging people for it but i think as it went along as it got better as his confidence grew as people's feedback was more positive he thought hang on a moment um, maybe i could look into charging this so he consulted his faithful community he put it out there and said you know how would you people feel about this game that i was planning on giving you all for free actually cost some money and of the thousand odd replies he got on his blog 99% actually expressed an active desire to pay him for the game which i think is great yeah i mean if it did come out for free it'd be one of the greatest free games ever made <laughs> But yeah, I I agree. I I I would have given him money even if I got it for free. Like if yeah. he had set up like a donation Shareware page or, or something, Patreon. Yeah, because yeah. um, it certainly feels like like j- just from what I got from the game, the experience I had, I'd feel the need to give back to the, the to the developer. So I think the interesting thing in that respect is there are plenty of sites that have free flash games on them, and just truckloads of free flash games. Um, and yeah. unless, as is the case with Failnot, who I, who I did an interview with, um, CY Reed, who, who's made several um, games, he put them up on Newgrounds, is it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he put them up on there. And if you were just to go to that site, aside from whatever rating system they may have so that you can search out the top rated games, they would get lost. So unless I, unless I, I knew him, as I do, Phil not, and he told me, oh, my game's here, go and, go and have a play of it, you wouldn't necessarily find it. Making it a paid game and putting it on Steam, now we can all say that there are hundreds of games on Steam and things get buried and lost, etc. But it means that, you know, the people who want to find it are going to go there and find it. And it and the second thing it does is it requires an investment from the player. Um, there's there's whole studies into whether getting something for free actually attaches a value to it. Yeah. 
before we get into those mechanics, let's describe the mood and tone. Uh, let's set things up. So, um, future noir? Yeah, yeah, a, a sci-fi noir. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, not as sci-fi as, like, a snatcher or anything like that, yeah. but has some elements of uh, things coats. we have not achieved yet. Yes. Bullfrog trousers and drop shot trench coats. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And it's got a fairly zoomed out um, 2D screen. We've got we've got uh, noir tropes such as uh, a, a darkish cityscape and rain um, and a guy in a trench coat. And we've got some uh, some laid back um, sleazy sort of sounding jazz music. One of the things uh, that's um, quite cool about the music is that there is a sort of uh, there's two versions of each in-game track. When you mouse wheel in this game, uh, it goes from your standard view to your being able to see all the wiring view, um, which is uh, called cross-linking. Um, there's also wire jacking, which is a little confusing, I find. They both sound very similar. And yes, the music segues from uh, a more organic piece to a more electronic-inspired piece as you go from uh, the main view to the what's the sort of blueprint type of view i suppose you yeah, kind of like translating from the noir jazz into the more cyberpunk electronica yeah. sound yeah beautifully put um and so it is a game of infiltration and counter espionage but with a pair of massively bouncy trousers it's kind of an odd one in that regard and and it, <laughs> looking back at those development versions of the game the game pretty much started as i said with this trench coated man who, for whatever reason... Could leap tall buildings in a single bound. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, the, the, the look of the game reminds me of Cannabolt, actually, because you've <laughs> got that sort of running along the skyscrapers yeah. thing, and you've got the small guy who can jump. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned earlier, alluded to, the, the, the jump is controlled in a way that maybe you would associate with, I don't know, like shooting a projectile in a game like Worms or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an, it's, a, it's an unusual premise, isn't it? I think it gets away with it, though, because of the general tone and humour of the game. It, it constantly takes the mick out of itself and all these wacky gadgets and stuff like that. If it was, like, a completely serious, like, espionage game, and in some ways, like, just because of the art style, I, I could totally see at some point Gunpoint being like that. But, yeah, the writing kind of has a really goofy, comical, sarcastic tone to it. So the fact that this guy's just jumping around like um, some like Spider-Man or something like that at some point, uh, especially when you get the crashing through doors and stuff like that and all that those kind of abilities. Like, I, I think, yeah, it, it is a bit odd, but I, I kind of like it all the same. It is the, the writing and the unique tone of this one where everything is... Kind of set in this very noirish, lots of people betraying each other, lots of uh, shady deals happening behind the scenes, not being able to trust anyone, very kind of violent world, but also playing like a, a very goofy, very humorous side. Kind of like the uh, like Leslie Nielsen in The Naked Gun, mm. where everything mm, yeah. is punctuated by either misunderstanding or complete incompetence misadventure yeah right you know and it's usually one or the other and not both at the same time either somebody is really good at their job but completely misunderstands the reasons that they're doing it or they have you know a complete understanding of what they are trying to do but are failing at it completely and so it's this this entirely straight-faced deadpan parody of cyberpunk and 
film noir narratives that uh that makes the more kind of video gamey aspects of the gameplay a little bit easier to swallow Hmm. there's almost an inspector gadget vibe to the main character who just as you Mm -hmm. say is, is quite potentially serious in terms of what he's trying to do and dealing with the the noir you know tone of what's going on but somehow stumbles into being the hero i mean the opening of the game is is this guy putting on his trousers and firing himself out a window and then being called by someone who has no reason to apparently to believe that he may have hurt himself he's just thrown himself three stories down onto the ground um, into their build, into the the um, the building of the woman who calls him, and and then she just calls him as if, well, that's perfectly ordinary, grand, you know, maybe you can help me. There is this this very weird um, sort of wackiness to do with this guy being in this situation in the first place, and yeah, the notion that his go-go gadget trousers just help him in in this world that he's almost not suited to in any other way. Uh, he's got no other skills aside from a fairly sharp tongue uh, when it comes to conversations between mission to to help him help himself out in this world um but he makes the best of of what he's got i guess i really like that the comedy is is written in this way as well um a lot of it is delivered in the various dialogue choices that you have that you can reply to via uh, in between missions you have little text message conversations with the various characters Mm. that kind of keep you up to date on what's happening in the story and give you your new missions and you're given a series of choices of responses that you can choose to uh to continue the conversation with them with and there are always a couple of serious choices so that you Mm -hmm. can play this entire game just like it's Mm. a straight serious noir Mm. cyberpunk type game and there's always like one or two silly Your ones at the bottom. Yeah. One or two that are yeah. that are that are funny, and uh, I I really like this way of. Um, I've written about it in the article I did for Canon Rinse on like comedy and games a little while back, but um, this way of using almost like breaking the fourth wall and hiding extra jokes that aren't necessarily a part of the storyline, but you can incorporate them if you want them to be there. Kind of the same way that The Secret of Monkey Island would deliver exactly you know, five different got, jokes yeah. because yeah. Um, in its five different dialogue choices. It's great that you compare it to Secret of Monkey Island, because actually I was going to say, like one of the things I respected about the comedy and the writing in this game is the effort put into make uh, constructing proper jokes instead of just using reference humor and it certainly has mm-hmm. references to stuff that's going on in the game industry and stuff and i i like borderlands 2 but borderlands 2 has a lot of humor that's reliant on you being aware of go, go, what's going on in pop culture and so forth and so oh, on yeah. mm-hmm. whereas gunpoint i feel like it's very, you know, very self-contained little jokes throughout the, the the dialogue in the game, which I really respect because you don't see that often in video games. Yeah, that's another thing, I suppose. You know, we talked about the game critic becoming a game maker. Well, mm. he's also a writer, so he's, yeah. you know, it makes sense. I definitely agree. Um, the fact that um, Tom Francis has written short stories, um, it, it shows. Monkey Island was an absolute touchstone that I thought of when I was thinking of the conversations. Um, the conversations are sort of framed as these little vignettes between each level. It's a very old school way of doing a game where there's very little story actually happening or very little context um, to tell you, even at the beginning, what you see happening 
sort of in-game, if you like, um, you then need the conversation afterwards to put it in context and understand what you've actually just seen to make it a story and kind of trail it all the way through. Um, but those conversations, they have this off-kilter feel to them that Monkey Island also has. And it's almost like, depending upon your, your dialogue choices, but even when you don't have a choice, you've only got the one option to click on, there's almost this feeling that the two participants are having different conversations the responses they're mm. giving do work, but there's something not... It's like the the tone of the conversation is completely different. One, one mm. of them's in a comedy and one of them's in a tragedy almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it, it keeps you off kilter, but it makes the conversation somehow paradoxically seem more real than something even like the, the Metal Gear Solid codec conversations, mm. which possibly because of translation issues between Japanese and English, never really felt like real conversations necessarily. They have a similarity to Gunpoint, but there's something very grounded about the conversations in Gunpoint that that made me just feel like this was this was a conversation I could have with someone at work where they're trying to be silly and I'm just being deadpan about it, possibly intentionally, or or vice versa, and almost having a different conversation. And that in itself has a very strong vein of comedy that Josh yeah. absolutely spot on. It it never relies on prior knowledge for some for for someone. Reference humor always does. You know, if you haven't if you don't know what the double rainbow meme is, that joke in Borderlands 2 is completely lost on you. It may be a funny moment nonetheless, but the actual joke that it is trying to to tell is lost. None of the humour in Gunpoint in terms of the dialogue really relies on that. It's all funny because of the way it's told, which is a real classic way to look at a joke. But it definitely kept that and it made it feel, I don't know, somehow more real to me in terms of it felt like a real uh, grounded conversation to be having. Now that you mention it, thinking back on the game, I don't think there's actually any reference humour within the game itself. All the reference humour, I think, is actually in the achievements for the game. Hmm. So there's one that references uh, ludonarrative dissonance and and stuff like that, which is really Hmm. funny. But um, yeah, for the most part, it's it's in the actual game itself. I don't think there's any at all. Uh, maybe the the names uh, of some of the the various individuals. Um, I was trying to work out where some of the names came from. I think some of them are references. Uh, the main character, obviously Richard, is is a reference to uh, you know PI, you know Private Dick type thing, uh, which was the original mm. kind of working name for the game. These multiple dialogue choices I view as like the kinds of things that the character has in mind. Like whenever you're in a conversation, you're always kind of like formulating maybe two or three responses one of them is you know hugely inappropriate one of them is the one that you're probably going to go with and you're always trying to choose the right thing to say and so i view these you know two to five choices that we get as the various things that the character could be thinking kind of like the uh, text message conversations in Catherine. and so one of my favorite dialogue choices from gunpoint was responding to a question either as to who or to whom mm-hmm. and it's like as a video game choice like that's entirely meaningless it's just uh the character trying to think through like what is the grammatically correct way to respond <laughs> to this yeah, yeah yeah i suppose uh one thing we should address at this uh, early stage is the thing that uh the developer addresses at the end which is the the title of the game is kind of not really it's it sort of works because um there are there are elements of gunplay in the very late stages of the game but actually I assume that even though he he started building this game based around this arcing Superman style or flea style jump, 
there was probably intended to be more gunplay in it. Now, the most of the enemies that are patrolling the various buildings you infiltrate have guns, um, and indeed they can one-shot kill you. Occasionally you get another chance if you buy the modifier. Death fluke. But you get the gun, known as the Resolver, uh, just a handful of miss- missions from the end, really, don't you? And from that point on, you do get the opportunity to uh, to hold people up or kill them. Like Metal Gear Solid style. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll talk about the, the very fi- the final scene later, obviously. Um, but yes, Gunpoint, perhaps not the most appropriate name for a game ever, because it really is more of a stealth puzzle game with... Yeah, um, elements of... I mean, games I wanted to, to mention, going all the way back to 1983, you know, side-on games where you go into doors, into the screen. Um, games like Door Door, which was Enix's first ever game. Enix as in Square Enix. And probably more well-known is Taito's Elevator Action. And they themselves revisited that that format many years later in the mid-2000s with Exit uh, on the PSP, which later came to DS and um, Xbox Live Arcade. Um, similarly, a, a hatted 2D man. In a puzzle game environment. In a puzzle yeah. game environment with strategy. Um, he was more of a rescue um, dude yeah. than a spy, yeah. but similar similar vibe. And, and similar kind of jazz, not noir in Exit, but kind of noirish. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I felt the similarities quite a lot, and actually, the thing that jolted me was looking at some screenshots of the two games you'd recommended because I, I didn't see it. I didn't remember that I'd seen it in Gunpoint so much. Um, but as soon as I saw those, I thought, yeah, actually, um, in terms of being a, a puzzle game, um, th- they play very differently. Exit is much more a puzzle game where there kind of is only one solution, and it's about yes. doing it as quickly as possible. Yeah. Whereas Gunpoint is uh, the antithesis of that, actually. Yeah. Um, the whole idea is to break the level design to do it quicker and quicker and quicker, rather than exit, which uh, frustratingly required you know, uh, more and more precision from the player while offering less and less with the controls. But um, but yeah, no, I definitely saw exit uh, in it uh, in quite, quite significantly, but yeah. Another key reference I would suggest, although looking at Tom Francis, he looks considerably younger than me, probably uh, more like the late 20s, early 30s sort of age group. Impossible Mission by Epics uh, was a, a legendarily well-received game back in the uh, early mid-80s on the Commodore 64. Um, various sequels and spin-offs and things followed. You can play a version of it on the PSP, but it, um, it was uh, entirely about infiltrating a base, um, avoiding being caught by the patrolling robots and pushing up into the screen to uh, search and hack various devices. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that in this game. The, the weird thing is that actually uh, Tom Francis himself, when he was thinking about uh, cross-linking and where the, the mm. notion of hacking came from, uh, he actually references stuff like System Shock 2 and Bioshock and Deus Ex, yeah. uh, which, which makes more sense for his age, as you say, sort of that um, sort of 2000 to 2005 period. Well, I get Bioshock a bit later, but it obviously came from uh, System Shock 2. But that was more to do with the theme of manipulating your environment rather than just going head-to-head with with your enemy uh, actually changing the environment to suit you and, and turn the tables on them. Yeah, there are various puzzle games. I mean, talk, talking about the, the, the cross-linking, um, which is yeah. another of the key features, uh, the game it reminded me of most in recent memory was actually Ghost Trick, um, yeah, the definitely. Phantom Detective, um, which has a similar 
a similar premise of going into a different layer of the screen mm -hmm. and um, toying with the on-screen antagonists and, and yeah. you know doing stuff to to break their pattern or muck around with their world. Um, in Ghost Trick, it's more point-and-click puzzle style, um, whereas this is more... Well, it's it's more about experimentation than Ghost Trick, is, yes. isn't it? rather than there being one key solution. Yeah, yeah. Go Go Ghost Trick has one way of solving the puzzle, and every other way is going to you know wind up with a character you're trying to save dead. Whereas with this game, it very much encourages you to try out all sorts of different combinations and yeah. and very much play to your own strengths rather than uh, doing what the developer uh, uh, or what Tom Francis uh, wants you to do. And and it very much feels like Tom Francis uh, made the game with this in mind. Like he, I, listening to an interview with him with uh, Patrick Klepek, it sounded like he wanted to make a game with all the problems and we kind of talked about this earlier in the podcast but make a game with all the problems that critics complain about uh not being in there at all so things like having there be a set path that the developer wants you to do not being present in the game just giving the player as much freedom as possible uh, yeah. and yeah the the crosslink stuff is a huge part of that uh just being able to come up with all these different combinations for whether you want to electrocute people smack them with a door or what have you it's probably the thing I enjoyed about the game most. Um, yeah. I, I do like puzzle games, um, and I do enjoy some of those games with there is one solution, you have to solve it. Um, even, you know, classic puzzlers thinking about things like Gemex and um, more recently, I suppose, pull blocks and um, or pushmo and crashmo, pull blocks and mm. fall blocks. But I can get frustrated with those games if I get stuck. You know, that feeling of, yeah. well, I don't know how to do this one and I'm bored just shoving, you know, just moving these elements around over and over and over again until either I stumble across a solution or, or my brain clicks yeah. into gear. And the fact that with the fact that Gunpoint's solutions for almost every stage are really quite flexible. There are multiple ways of tackling each area. It reminds you more of something like um, like a Deus Ex level or... Dishonored even. Dishonored, yeah. It's more open-ended, uh, open I guess, or, or open plan almost is a better way to look at it. But it does make it quite easy. That's the only thing. It's, it's a pretty easy game, I would say, whereas yeah. I was expecting, based on the mechanics that it introduces probably in the first quarter... But I was expecting the last quarter of the game to be mind-numbingly difficult, <laughs> like properly, head-swimmingly, eye-crossingly, teeth-gnashingly. I have no idea how to get through this. But actually, once by that stage, I found that the mechanics were, I was, you know, the master of all of them. I had all the upgrades mm. and it was pretty much, how do I want to do it? Which I kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I prefer because I'm not that good at stealth games, and so I liked that Same this here. one kept its uh, kept its momentum all the way through, mm. and didn't just have you, you know, run into roadblocks and brick walls yeah. every single uh, moment of the game. Absolutely, but you can elect to play. Mm -hmm. You can obviously do the. Um, you get badges and ratings mm -hmm. for each uh, each mm -hmm. level, and I weirdly I was I looked through my rankings and I got A plus on probably three quarters of the levels and on the yeah. other levels I, I got c on all of them so it was either a plus or c nothing in between yeah i got one c three a's and 16 a pluses right um and the badges i got were all thoughtful ninja non-lethal gentleman and um ghost and just yeah everywhere um it, it 
and and yet my times range from thirty two seconds to fifteen minutes. Yeah, I had um, a really long one. One of them yeah, was the about last sixteen level. minutes. Yeah. yeah, I really liked the way that the badges and the uh, um, the ratings work in this game, though, because they're kind of viewed as more of a dichotomy with. Um, That's right. It's not like, one is better than the other, is it? Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it, it kind of makes fun of the the classic choice that you make when you're playing stealth games is whether to go lethal or non lethal. Mm. And I feel like this game kind of makes fun of that because it uses the same. You play the game the same way either way, more or less. I mean, you can choose to go completely undetected and not tackle any of the guards. But for the most part, the choice between lethal and non-lethal comes down to when you pounce on a guard, are you going to punch him until his head turns to jelly? Or are you (laughs) just going to punch him once just to uh, um, knock him out? And I really like in the, uh, sorry, it's one of my favorite jokes in the game. One of the achievements is if you're on top of the guard and you keep punching him, you can keep punching him forever. But if you keep punching him for like two straight minutes, of uh, you know, just nothing but just pounding this poor <laughs> click, man into click, the click, concrete, click. right? Yeah. It's uh, it gives you an achievement that says, "All right, just stop." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's a few good achievements. Um, yeah, and the I mean, we haven't actually said again for people who haven't played the game. Um, the the other controls are um, keyboard, it's, um, you know, W A and D, isn't it? Up well, up yeah. to go into the screen, A and D, left and right. Yeah, it's 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 that sort of a game. Um, and yeah, I found the, my play style was uh, pragmatic in that um, I obviously I didn't know exactly how long the game was. I didn't I, I knew it wasn't super short, uh, super long, but I didn't want to end up in a situation where I was stuck on the later levels and yeah. unable to complete it in time for the podcast. So I was fairly pragmatic in that. I would generally only slap a guard once if I had to, but if there was, if the easiest, quickest way forward was for me to uh, dive bomb one out the window um, and slam him into the pavement four stories below, then that's, sorry, that's that's what's going to happen to that guy. Should have got a different job, you know, that sort of criminal mentality, but... But definitely you could easily go back through each level. You can replay levels um, going for um, either a better grade or you can simply go for the badges that you want to get. Yep. Yeah. Some of them are quite challenging to do completely non-lethally and undetected. Um, yeah. I, I remember I was, I was very proud of myself to achieve the perfect gentleman on one of the levels and you know really had to kind of rack my brain as to how am I going to get through this without ever triggering any kind of garden counter and uh yeah it's it's difficult there is plenty of challenge there if you want it yeah yeah definitely the the reason that some of the later puzzles didn't become ridiculously difficult um is because of the way the game is 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 made um basically the cross-linking is actually how something like game maker you would do the level design you Mm. would link to um, objects on the screen and mm-hmm. and you would make one a cause and one an effect so like a light switch and a light for instance mm-hmm. um, and that would be the behind the scenes layer that you would go in and v- like a, a visual programming um, you would visually code those things to, or mm-hmm. link those things together and that and then then you would revert back to the game layer and and you'd be able to test the interaction um, and the idea was to allow the player to interfere with that on almost a level design basis and almost redesign the level to allow themselves to go through it. Um, and, and in order to allow the player to do that, you can't then be too constrictive in how you design the level because that, that again, would just be completely contrary to, to the, the, um, the idea that the, the bore the game, if you like. Um, 
And I, th- I think the closest it came to that was the morgue level, which is uh, it's a one-screen level. Um, you've got the building in the center, five floors. I couldn't work out how to get into that building because on one side you almost can't stick to any point of the wall or you yeah. can't jump up at an angle to stick to it. So what you end up having to do is working out that what you need to do is get to the other side of the building to be able to get into it. But that that's the only time where the game is requiring you to do this one thing and specifying how not how you have to do it, but kind of the hurdle you have to get over. Um but what it what it means, and Ryan, you're you're spot on saying it. I felt the same way. Was it didn't become about how do I? No, it didn't become about can I do this. It became about how do I do this. Um, and so it it just became for me about how many guards can I just get by without having to interact with at all? Because that's the way I, I I prefer to play what some a game that that presents itself as a stealth game. Um, and and some of them are incredibly difficult. Some of them you have to do some really weird jumping around all over the place to try and avoid the guards, etc. Um, but that that was me introducing a level of difficulty because, as you say, Leon, you can just wait till the guard turns away, pounce on them, punch them in the face, and move on. And and that's the quicker way to do it, arguably. But I think it's telling that um, that uh, even the way you were doing it, Leon, you said you had uh, one or two levels that ended up quite long despite the fact that probably all levels can be completed in a matter of two to three minutes um there there are some of them where if you're planning and thinking your steps through it will still take long yeah there's an achievement for um doing the uh the one of the levels faster than tom francis you know staff ghost type time there isn't actually a, a ghost present but um i went straight back into the first level not i wasn't actually going for this achievement but i just thought oh, how how fast can you do level one and it's it is a matter of you know, especially because it's it's kind of like a new game plus because you're going back with all your um your upgrades and stuff, and you can do it in a matter of a handful of seconds, and that um that achievement's actually very easy to get. Yeah, Future Labs Velocity is another game that I was talking to uh, Darren Gargett the other day about, in that over the course of several missions, you are taught the systems uh, and the mechanics that and the the abilities that that you're you're player character has and then when you actually go back to one of the first levels and realize that you've learned the systems of the game well enough what seemed like it was not necessarily difficult but you were being much more methodical you realize that not not only have you improved at the game but you now understand the game better that that things that seem difficult become trivial and then it becomes about okay if I actually do this perfectly, how quickly can I do it? And that's where the, the sort of leaderboards and time challenges come in, which which Gunpoint doesn't have built into it, but you can see how it could. Um, you could see how you could find someone doing the first level in three seconds or something stupid, uh, potentially, if, if they um, just knew exactly what they had to do to, to finish. So. so I think there are three, just three different enemy types in this game. Regular security guards, um, armoured guards who you can't, pounce on in the same way and the professionals mm-hmm. a couple of bosses here and there but a couple yeah. of bosses here and there yeah one thing i did wonder if if he considered doing more with and with the artists as well was actually that i think they do have a certain amount of you know you imbue them with a certain amount of personality based on their behavior um you know they do cute things like if you 
turn the power out on a floor they will they will go and flick the light switch repeatedly and if you've broken it so that they can't fix it they will depending on their options they will either try to leave that floor or they will um just at one time i ended up with one guy just endlessly flicking the light switch over and over <laughs> and over again um and and that's quite cute and stuff but i was probably anticipating a bit more in the kind of um selling the the cartoon side of it the the anime maybe more in in the style of mark of the ninja something like that where there's a bit mm. more information from the the these little tiny sprites you know you don't always need that much I, you know i always think back to lemmings who were like eight pixels tall or something in 1990 and everybody adored them they don't need to be big as such or opulently animated um to have some kind of personality but I was wondering if there could have been a bit more of a sense of character with those with those enemies. Yeah, yeah, I, I think there could have been, but um, I, I think back to the fact that what you're shown in the level is is what you need to complete the level, and then it worries about to to a certain extent the game worries about putting the flavour in in between the levels. There's certainly a lot to do with the music and and the the way the game looks and and the tone of it in the level but actually the 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 character of the characters if you like is is kind of filled in and fleshed out more in between levels in the level the characters the the npcs enemies had to behave in such a way that would mechanically allow you to understand what was going on in the level and how to manipulate the guards um and to understand what their behavior would be if if you manipulated the world around them in a certain way. Um, and to, to that extent, you're absolutely right. Just um, the level of animation they had and the little things they did was just enough information to allow you to to understand how to traverse them and get to the objective. I, I think there were different priorities uh, with Mark of the Ninja as well. Um, I've, part of that game is making the guards terrified of you and... Uh, getting them to do certain things and so forth and so on. So their their emotional state was actually kind of important to the gameplay. Mm. So it was really important to convey that in their animation and, and so forth and so on. Whereas um, in this game, it really does feel like the guards are just kind of robots, just, um, you know, going about their programming. and Yeah, they are more like the droids in Impossible Mission than the... Yeah. Than the, the the thugs in Arkham Asylum or something like that. Yeah. Mm. But um I did find that weirdly comical at times, just that they <laughs> yeah, were yeah. really, really stupid. Um <laughs> some humour was just generated from the AI just being I mean you you've already brought up an example of the guard um just infinitely uh pressing the switch. <laughs> but I, I also had a situation where a guard just electrocuted two of his buddies, <laughs> even though he'd already seen the fir- what happened to the first guy. <laughs> so he was like, I'll just keep switching this. I'm having no impact whatsoever. Um and that was a hilarious little moment that I created and if like I, I don't know if the the characters were more emotive uh, and kind of reacted dramatically to that, I think the I would have found it less humorous because it would it would have you know been over egging the pudding as it were. But just having this like robot guy just kill all of his friends with no emotion <laughs> on his face, yeah, the was, uh, really it, yeah. hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> the main touchstone for the parody in this game is film, and I feel like the guards are so personalityless because they are the types of characters who would be just uh, you know um, producers' grandpa extra. 
You know, they're, yeah. the, uh, yeah. they're the people yeah. who are yeah. completely faceless and who want to be on camera as very little as they possibly can. Yeah, this um, another another game that I've just thought of as as just thinking about that slapstick element and the um, the sort of consequences of that. The um, the spy versus spy games from the eighties as well, which based on the comic strip and uh, the mad magazine comic strip, where it was uh, focused around two players um, setting booby traps for one another. I really had trouble. Um, uh, I didn't really use the 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 socket sabotage uh, trick much at all i didn't really understand sort of how that was best deployed but obviously you did josh yeah no it 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 really is just to kill people if you want to play lethally um i i found found it best uh to actually get the guards to kill each other with that technique so if you actually go down on the ground and try and flick the switches to you know kill guards on the same floor as you it usually ends with you getting shot and that's not yeah that's not the better best approach but if you can fool a guard into uh flicking switch because the lights are off and the guy uh you know starts walking past and so forth you can get loads of guards to just kill each other by accident but uh, you you said you didn't use it at all what 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 was the reason for that uh i don't think i quite understood how just yeah i just didn't really get how best to deploy it in the situations that i found myself in i always found other ways i mean one thing we haven't mentioned like the these um in their in their 2d side-on way these guards all have vision cones um some of which are visible at, at various points um and Another thing we haven't mentioned is is your ability as the lead character to kind of Batman style hang from ceilings. You know, this is yeah. these are whole other areas that you might not necessarily think about. If it was purely like elevator action or, or impossible mission where it's a side on game and you, you can walk and jump, it's not like that. You your your jumping is nothing like a normal platform game character because mm. of the way it works and you can stick to walls and ceilings and floors. Yeah. Um, if you get seen, you will get killed. But if you, I've, you know, there are a few, I think there's one corridor, possibly on the very last level where there's, is it three or four professionals in a row just walking up and down? I'm sure there are a number of ways of tackling that level, but my way was almost to kind of platform game skill it in some ways into kind of just waiting until the last second before they were about to see you, but then jumping, you know, into a place out of their line of sight and then coming back yeah. behind them and yeah. taking them out with a slap and and things like that so but there was probably a whole way of doing that floor by i don't know i don't know putting the lights off and getting to go somewhere else or or any number of things
I think what I found um, really uh, almost exciting about about um, the the ability to to lay traps with uh, prank spasm, I think it's called, mm. was w- the instinct is to make a light switch that does that because that that's a switch. That's something we can think of as a physical switch. So it's an on and off yeah. type action. And and there's things to be done just reversing the switch so that off is on and on, on is off, etc. Um, but what I loved about it was an elevator arriving at a floor. That can be a switch. Um, walking into a camera beam, even if you've disconnected the alarm that the camera should set off, that can be a switch as well. So what you start to realize is every time um, you walk through a, a camera beam, you can make that a switch for just about anything you want on the same circuit. Yeah. Um, and that's just such a, a wonderful thing to think, all I'm doing is walking along this floor and causing mayhem throughout the entire building. Mm. And just the, the again, there's there's a there's a comedy to that, a, a sort of almost slapstick element to that, um, where you can have guards taking one another out and you can be on a separate floor just almost dancing around. Um, again, <laughs> ca- causing mayhem, watching them and, and making it even worse. Because every time you move in and out of the camera, you switch a light off and they then flick the switch again and... Uh, if if you've left it connected up, instead of them infinitely switching a switch, you can be turning it off and they can turn it back on again. But every time they do so, you can then have that connected up to a, a socket or, or whatever to electrocute a guard that may be sort of just randomly passing or themselves. If I think there are a couple of instances where you can have a guard electrocute themselves if if you get it connected up right. So. Um, just wonderful, and and it's it's all um, it's all very comedic, and I think the detachment from um, the guards as characters uh, helps with that because you're not persecuting someone uh, by doing any of this. You're not uh, bullying, harassing, or abusing them uh, on a personal level. It's just literally you see them as a barrier to get over, and this is going to be the the ironic or or slightly sassy, I guess, way that you're going to do it. But sometimes I find uh, that being that mean in a game is is a real uh, is a, is a release, you know, because it's something mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't yeah. do in real life. I'm a, I'm a nice person. Yeah. I don't I don't want to ruin people's days or lives or kill them. But in a game, that thing where you can actually see the effect you have on an enemy sprite or you know yeah. massive yeah. polygons actually, you know, really really give them hell is 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 quite can be quite satisfying you know that yeah. sort of virtual schadenfreude you, you punched them all until they were dead didn't you no i didn't actually as i say <laughs> i really um i actually don't i genuinely don't even have the achievement for uh for killing you know for yeah, killing yeah. um i i only ever slapped them once i just i found it actually quite again talking about the comedy in the game which you sometimes make yourself that thing where you actually just click once and it just goes <laughs> and then they're knocked the out. The sound on that is yeah, so understated. Um, whereas the sound of um, jumping through a window, um, he was saying, I think in an earlier build, the the, the, the earlier sound effect he had was um, just some glass smashing. Um, mm. But the final sound effect is some wood smashing some glass, which sounds way more dramatic. It's like much mm. more. It's got much more punch to it mm, yeah. um, stuff like that can make quite a lot of difference I also very much like the power up that allows you to jump through windows without it making as much noise which mm-hmm. doesn't make a yeah. lot of sense but holding down the mouse button in midair so you just kind of do a delicate tinkle through the window <laughs> in which doesn't <laughs> alert anyone there's a lots of there's lots of surprising subtlety again throughout using in both the mechanics and the, the presentation things like there's a few puzzles you have to solve I think by getting an elevator to a floor 
because it then it does a ding the elevators here which makes nearby guards turn around but you don't actually get out the elevator they oh, yeah. but they will stay facing that way mm-hmm. and then you can get out get round go up the stairs the back way and then you know grab them from behind and just knock them out or whatever it's cool things mm-hmm. i think yeah. the probably the the mechanic again that could have potentially made for the most sophisticated puzzles probably did but again could have been used I was expecting more involved chain reactions of events of so the noise detectors, which can be set off by alarms or elevator dings or, or anything. You can shoot them, in fact, which is cool. Using the noise detector is how you affect puzzles on a different circuit, how you get things moving um, from... Yeah. If, if the lift, if the elevator's on one circuit and it makes a noise into a different coloured sound detector, then that can trigger off events on that circuit. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's a way of bringing an effect from one electronic circuit out into the real world That's it. and then passing it back into another electronic Beautifully circuit. Beautifully yeah, yeah. I, I kind of didn't care for the sound detectors. That was my least favorite of the puzzle elements because right. a lot of the things that make noise are kind of like one-time uses, like shattering glass or your, uh, your gunshots you can run out of. And so um, I found myself having fewer tools to work with than I needed to solve certain puzzles. Okay. Talking about the, uh, the the gunshots again, um, as I understood it from from levels I played, uh, one thing we should say is also that um, death is virtually unpunished in this game, or failure um, experimentation mm-hmm. is is not punished. Let's put it that way. Um, you are you constantly have rolling saves back a few seconds ago. Um, the only time that changes is when um, I think it's basically if you fire your gun at any point, the cops get called, don't they? Yeah, timer starts counting. Timer, down. yeah. So you have a you have a window of opportunity at that point. Um, now I didn't finish any levels once the cops were there, so that's how little I moved, I used the gun. I couldn't even work out yeah. if it was possible. I had to play with it for a while. Is it possible to get out if the cop is at the end of the level, or will he always kill you? He always killed me. I I, I never got past him. Yeah. Um, which is kind of why I just. I just never used the gun. Exactly. Yeah, I never I got used it. the gun either, yeah. yeah. It, it seems mad because I I have no answer to your question. It, se- it seems ridiculous that it wouldn't be because why wouldn't that just be an, a game over screen yeah. when the cop arrives? Like you could have a countdown timer, but once that gets to zero and the cop arrives, that should be game over unless you can actually get past. Yeah, so, I tried various, you know, jumping over him with once you've got the jump fully powered up. I feel like I've done it before, but I'm not remembering offhand. I think you can like jump yeah. right into the subway. I did wonder. If, if you're high enough off, up, yeah, you can certainly. Okay, and if you, yeah, um, and if you've got the, maybe if you've got the um, death fluke on, you can avoid the one right. shot to get to the end that that would make sense in the way he designed the game generally i would expect there to be a way of doing it otherwise as james says why not just have game over you got this window of seconds and a countdown before the cop arrives um but yeah that doesn't stop you playing the level but what it does mean is that the rolling saves stop at that at that before you um before you shot your gun so you can always go back to a point before you shot your gun which is again really excellent touch really thoughtful it, it, yeah it, what it removes is the notion of a fail state because yeah it, almost like some of the rewind mechanisms in in some other games um there should never really be a game over screen uh a braid is, is a similar example what it does when you die is is basically freeze everything there and say right how far do you want to go back to yeah. to right this wrong mm. as it were so yeah what, what it does is circumnavigate the the notion of a fail state which um, which is is something that's really cool, and and this is kind of a 
slightly different take on some of the instant retry sort of mechanisms you see on on uh, wait for it super meat boy let's get that reference in yeah i mean it's massively inconvenient in this because you actually have to press a key <laughs> yeah but 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 again it's in keeping with the notion that the player has choice because you immediately get a selection of of which autosave you want to go go back to so two seconds back five seconds back 12 seconds back <laughs> yeah yeah restart yeah, exactly yeah um so you always have that that's why you need the key press to give you the option and again it's about player agency and and if you can think of a way to do it if you only go two seconds back great do that or if you need to go further fine putting more than most games would in the hands of of the player and saying this is now up to you um i think it, it shows a lot of um a lot of confidence and trust in the audience um as as the entire development of, of this game did you know with having all this feedback from people through betas and 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 various sort of test stages. Um, I think it helps to have a pool of people who have uh, a lexicon um, of gaming to to fall on. Whereas often a lot of games, I guess, uh, bigger games that need a more casual audience to play them will want to have testers who don't play games so that they know that anyone could play this and kind of get it. Whereas in, in Tom's case, he had a, presumably a large pool that were of the people who were following him were either in the games industry as writers or, or developers, or were people who identify themselves as, as gamers and therefore have a knowledge of other games and, the ability to describe what it is about the game that they think isn't quite working right in a way that he would then understand how to to go on and and affect it. And I think the trust in in both directions is what made this game a success. Another Wii element uh, this game has, like many games, uh, are optional objectives on each mission, generally involving seeking something out, a laptop, often a computer terminal that isn't part of the main plot, as it were, or the game actually tells you that there's nothing for doing them other than the, the the pride of knowing that you've done them. But I don't actually know if that's true or whether there is an achievement for doing it, whether he's just he's being a bit cheeky there. And I also don't know if they how much it contributes to your grade. Not much, I assume, because I missed lots of them, but still got lots of A pluses. Um, but what they do do is they each have a, a you know a screen of text, I guess, fleshing things out. So did anyone go for all of these, most of these? I think I have most of them. And also, yeah, not only the laptops, them, yeah. but the people who assign you the missions will often request that they be done in a certain way, like non-lethally or yes. without being seen. Um, yeah, I tried to go for them wherever possible. I I, I can't be sure, but I, I feel like I only left a few undone because they were ones that I thought, yeah, I just can't see a way to do this, to say get the laptop and also finish the level non-lethally. Um, so I, I ended up skipping a few where I just wanted to say finish the, the level in as quiet and, and stealthy a way as possible. I, I would leave anything that wasn't going to help me do that. But um, but yeah, I thought most of them, it, it just added a little extra. Um, it's it's a bit like on Google Maps where you say, I want to go between A and B, and then you can just change it a little bit and say, right, okay, I want to go via that road. And it just gave you a little bit of a, a midpoint where you had to get through, a pinch point, if you like, mm. somewhere through the level where you had to be in a certain place at a certain time, possibly. Um and that just gave you an extra criteria that you had to meet, which which I thought was smart. And and if it is true, I I, I can't think that there was anything aside from the extra sort of piece of information you got. If it is true that it is literally just entirely up to you, it's not going to affect your rating, your performance, your reward, uh, aside from an objective, which arguably is a 
another layer removed type of reward. It's not even an in-game reward. It's a in-Steam reward, if you like. Then, then I think that's fantastic because much like, say, Audio Diaries and Bioshock are the obvious example. It's there if you want to do it. If you don't, that's fine. For those that do, they're not getting, they're not get being a more powerful in the game, but they just get some extra information if they want, which is mm. uh, a nice way to do it. Again, a lot of trust in the in the player in that case. On what uh, on what Ryan was saying about um, optional objectives, in the sense of yeah, do the mission in a certain way. This actually plays back into the plot. Um, in gameplay sense, I think you get more. Do you get more cash reward or um, or a higher grade if you do it as requested? But certainly by the end of the game, I'd I'd had the money for almost everything, um, and you get given eight thousand dollars for the penultimate mission, which allows you to buy the thing that you really need for the final mission, which is the gate crashes, which you can then take back into the earlier game if you want and kick all the doors in, which is a lot of fun. But the the final showdown, there there is a way of manipulating the situation depending on your both your responses to the chief of police during the course of the plot and also the yeah, the, the things you've elected to tell the various factions, the companies, the, the industries who are playing off each other. If you if you speak to them in the right way, you choose the right options with them and you choose the right options with the chief of police, you can make a situation where you can actually buy yourself more time before the cops arrive in the final mission and stuff like this. So it's quite involved. It reminded me, that reminded me a bit of the um, jumping through hoops for the good ending of Metro 2033. There was there <laughs> were so many stages, um, you know, conditions and requirements to be met. Some of them seemingly inconsequential or yeah. unrelated. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, cool that it's in there because it was to do with, with slowing down the police arriving at the end. I, I knew I wasn't going to do that anyway so it i didn't i didn't bother i just took the options as i went but talking about the the story as a whole as i say i there is actually there was a there was a caption about three quarters of the way through that spoke to me which was the i don't really know what's going on i lost the plot after <laughs> about the second cutscene or whatever um i felt kind of like that i didn't really keep a tab of who was who and who was doing what to who i must admit i appreciated that it was snappily written and i enjoyed some of the exchanges but in terms of the overarching noir-esque plot um i'm afraid i it left me behind i, I feel like that's intentional too uh, and I, yeah. I have notes that detail who everyone is okay. and um, <laughs> all of this stuff that i did like specifically for the show yeah, just yeah. so i'm not completely in the dark but yeah. i think that they intentionally made the plot like maddeningly complicated and complex yeah. uh, to kind of parody the film noir like the maltese exactly. Falcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah right yeah. exactly what i was gonna say yeah yeah Fair enough. That's all right. I don't feel so bad now. Su- suffice to say, it's it's about espionage, uh, corporate espionage, yes. and it's a lot of double dealing and triple agents, and yeah, just you're you're basically playing off and being played off by yeah. three or four different groups uh, that all have a vested interest in this murder that you are being suspected of um, yeah. at the beginning of the game. And yeah, it's absolutely supposed to be uh, just the most confusing uh, maze to try and work your way through. People are getting bumped off. At one point, you're investigating yourself. And have the option to either truthfully tell the police yeah. officer or or delete the information that they need, etc. Yeah, there's, there's one level where it, the outcome of the, the, the rest or elements of the rest of the story depend on whether you're spotted in a certain by a certain camera on a certain level. 
I believe. Yeah. So yeah, stuff like that. I thought again, like I didn't engage with it fully in that I didn't, you know, I didn't explore all the different options and I didn't, I didn't necessarily know the nitty gritty of why all that was happening, but I like the fact that it was there. I thought, oh, that's cool. So if I avoid that security camera in that room, then that actually changes, you know, my relationship with one of the other characters. I think it was, the, I think that's part of the chief of the police sequence. In fact, isn't yeah. it? I want to say you still have an opportunity to either delete or claim that the footage that you then go in to retrieve is deleted. Right. Cause, cause you can be spotted on the camera and then you have to go in and retrieve the footage from the camera. Cause there's this whole corrupt police aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to retrieve the footage for the chief of police so he can see who was in there and it's it's you because you're playing both sides off against the other. Um, and I want to say, even if you retrieve it, you still have the option to tell him that you did. I can't remember. There is a point in the story where you are getting kind of used to lying and saying like, oh, sorry, I yeah. was too late. It's all been erased. And there's one point <laughs> where he hides like dummy data in there that isn't really anything. Mm. And if you lie to him again, then he'll say like, okay, I know what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But let, let's talk a little bit more about the branching storyline here, because mm. I think it, it does unlock different levels. I don't know if they are actually like differently designed levels, depending on which missions you choose to engage with, who you ally yourself with, or if they're just reskinned versions of the same levels. Did oh, okay. anybody do multiple, uh, multiple branches? Yeah, I didn't see both, unfortunately, so I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I I know once you beat the game, or I guess even before that, you can go back and replay levels that you'd already replayed before. Yeah. But you can only replay levels in the line of decisions that you've made. Yeah, sure. Which I kind of I kind of didn't like to see the other levels or to see the other dialogue. You had to restart the game from scratch. Right, and remember the choices. Yeah. As I, well. I I think if I think I'm right in saying there's only there's a pair of missions where you can choose to do one or the other mm, okay. and doing one removes the other. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the names of them. So I think that's the, that's the only point at which you would get a different level. But I think the way the story unfolds and the ending you get definitely mm. depends upon that point and other stuff around it. Mm. I would have preferred like a, a, the way they did it in, in Virtue's Last Reward where mm. you got like an entire web of... Yeah. Um, of all the branching choices and you can mm. go back to any point in there and you know yeah. it'll tell you like this is the point at which they bisect you can choose to make the opposite choice now yeah. but now you have and to, it'll allow you start to skip scratch. stuff you've seen before yeah right and when it comes down to it um regardless i believe of which um choices and and lies you've told and who you've worked for who you've stabbed in the back you know the final confrontation is always with the same you know the same corporate boss isn't it um, who's holed up in his... Yeah, Gessler. Yeah, yeah. who's holed up in his uh, in his ivory tower or whatever. Um, so as you'd expect, the final level has, uh, you know, some uh, some more hoops to jump through, some some various uh, a smattering of all the kinds of uh, challenge and puzzle you've faced up to that point. But one thing that really impressed me is the fact that there are no fewer than eight different Steam achievements for the way in which you decide that the final confrontation goes down. Anyone care to detail all of or eight of them? <laughs> um, I, I certainly do not know all eight. So. Right, let's see if we can work it out. So, because it's all to do with it's all to do with the mechanics. Basically, it's 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 not so much to do with the story up to that point. It's to do with how you elect to deal with him. So, one of them would be to hold the gun on him long enough so that he drops his weapon. 
another one would be to pounce on him and smash him straight out the window. Another one would be to back him up until he falls out the window. I think that might be one of them. Another one is to just shoot him. Another one is to knock him out. Another one is to punch him until he dies. And I think that's nearly all of them now. I think we've got through most of them. But yeah, there's, there is, the game acknowledges the, the many different ways with which you can finish the story. And then I think that leads into, um, there's a, there's an odd little segment after the game where you publish on, um, on Tom France's website, Conway's secret blog, which, uh, gives you various, um, choices based on the story that you've had and, uh, and it asks you to, you know, give your own experiences and stuff like that. I thought that was more interesting than having a you know some sort of weird boss fight using mechanics that you'd not been privy to up to the final stage or whatever like so many games do. He just made it so that you know it's not going to be difficult as such to to kill the final boss or finish the final boss, but there's eight different ways of doing it. Um, I, I I've just had a look. I just shot him. Oh, yeah, what? Appar- apparently. You? I thought you were yeah. Mr. Stealthy No-Shoot Man. Yeah, well, let's face it, he deserved it. And it, that that would be I a... I not know, I lost the plot. <laughs> <laughs> that that somehow felt like a, a fitting kind of straightforward end to this rather twisted uh, noir story. Uh, you know, that kind of um, that kind of ending where the the hero becomes the anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. And... and uh, yeah, sure. So, try and justify your actions, James. <laughs> I don't cold have to justify my actions to you, Josh. Murderer. <laughs> yeah. Right before you fight him, though, you are given a more like a meaty boss fight. Like immediately in the room before, you fight somebody who has all of your same powers, kind of like in a yeah. Dark Link type situation. And that's a that's a bit more challenging. He throws you from a window, and you just have to jump and shoot your way on the on the ground to try to kill him before he kills you. I'm drawing a blank on this. I don't remember that. <laughs> Maybe it was like a certain branch that I went down. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this is this is the character from the very beginning of the game, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was that same spy that right who originally was the assassin. That's weird. I must have dealt with him almost in passing, just like for whatever reason, it didn't turn into a big, big thing. That's oh, well, I had some trouble with him. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. Can it? Can it, what? Can this? break out of the you know like it's not just you don't just walk up and shoot him it this turns into like some sort of i I thought it was more of a scripted thing like you walk up the staircase up to the top floor and he immediately pounces at you and uh launches you both out the window oh okay yeah no maybe that rings about i don't think i understood the significance of who that was yeah lots going on i'm tempted to replay that level now
All right, then let's hear from some of the Cane Rinse community who have played Gunpoint. Um, obviously, as you'd expect, we don't have as much feedback for Gunpoint as we did for, for instance, The Last of Us. But nevertheless, um, we have a few um, posted at com slash forum. You can also email to podcast at com if you so wish. James? Yeah, Sneaky Dave says, I loved Gunpoint. Only shame is that there isn't more of it. There are ideas in it which I'd love to see expanded over a more lengthy campaign. Uh, Leg of Time, uh, otherwise known as Chris Eason, says, Really enjoyed it. Always like having the ability to turn off any light in stealth games, so having the ability to rewire light switches, etc. was great. Writing and music were also excellent. Thanks, Chris. And now Roy, 42. He says it was his second favourite stealth game of 2013. Uh, incredible that two so good would come out in the same year. One of the best parts about Gunpoint is the juxtaposition of the smooth music and sharp visual aesthetic that present Conway as a master spy with the reality that, at best, he's bumbling around at the mercy of his various employers. Between that and giving Conway a personality, it lets him have a genuine character arc, something I felt was missing with, say, Mark of the Ninja. Even by giving the player the choice of having Conway be snarky and self-motivated or honest and compassionate for others, the game is still able to have a linear narrative where the motivation for going into each level and completing each task is still believable right up to the end of the game. Stealth games in recent years have all been incredibly inventive and Gunpoint is one of the best examples of it. It shows the creative potential of video games when a player isn't limited to only a realistic human field of vision or current technology. The ability to rewire everything makes for a perfect water cooler game as you're given a bunch of different options for getting to your objective and are never left feeling like something's out of your control and are never forced to play in a way that you wouldn't want, except, arguably, the last level. I also like the lack of information being surfaced to the player. To me, that is the game saying that it's not necessary and that the player should be able to tell that a guard is looking at them or that that smashing through a plate glass window is going to make a hell of a lot of noise. Besides which, the rigorous auto-saving makes it a moot point. If a guard does happen to kill you, you can call a mulligan in the exact fashion that you would expect a guy like Conway to do, get past the guard correctly and slink off into the night, telling all your friends at the bar that you didn't make any screw-ups at all. No, sir. (laughs) Torino says, Gunpoint is one of those games that took me by surprise. I didn't really expect much from it when I started playing it. I only stopped when the game was over. Each level in Gunpoint is short enough to keep you wanting more, but also challenging enough to keep you interested in them. The mechanics are very similar, with they being relatively simple to understand, but allowing the skilled player to pull off some really cool and complex stunts, and this is an auto-saving system that allows for consequence-free experimentation, and you got yourself an extremely addictive game in all the right ways. Not only the gameplay is great, but the game also has a witty script to keep you chuckling between levels, and a jazzy soundtrack to keep you relaxed. This combination makes it really hard to find anything wrong with Gunpoint, so my only criticism of it remains the same. It ended too soon. I would really love to see more complex levels and progression system, because I really think there's a lot of untapped potential here. So here's hoping for Gunpoint 2. Thanks, Todinho. Actually, let's uh, let's take a point to address one of the points he made at the end. Mm. Um, He wanted more complex levels and progression system. And actually there is a very robust level editor in the game and yes. uh, um, hooked up to the steam workshop. And so you can have all of the complex and uh, probably nearly difficult yeah. and unplayable levels you could ever want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking right here on my steam 
right now um i saw these at the time um you can just click right on the assignments uh finale it says something else uh and then there's really freaking secure building so yeah there's plenty of people out there making probably nigh on impossible levels but be interesting to see if some of them are as fun and flexible as tom francis own levels or whether they are on the side of being solve this you know yeah, yeah, more more rigorous, yeah. I guess. Um, I'm sure there is some brilliant stuff in there, though. Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Neckymancer says, The greatest moment I had with Gunpoint was when I introduced my little brother to it. It was likely already mentioned, but you can tackle guards and knock them out with a punch, or kill them with several more. Or you can keep on punching for great dialogue. My brother's first instinct on trying the game was to turn a guard into strawberry jam to see the messages that would pop up. the writing is brilliant the characters are unique and funny with actual stories behind them it's a real shame that it's so short but that'll happen when it's made almost entirely by one person I hesitate to even call it a stealth game it's closer to pure puzzle game the quick reload system allows you to rapidly make attempt after attempt so you can even brute force some situations when you get caught Gunpoint is a terrific game incredibly cheap and often on sale I played through it three times in the first week I had it and I rarely replay games it's absolutely great and should be played by everyone. There's a lot of problems with it, but they're mostly minor and are easily overlooked in favour of the good parts. The creator, Tom Francis, is a genuinely funny guy and I'd recommend checking out his blog and Twitter, at Pentadact. He's got another game called Heat Signature that looks incredible on the horizon and has released a fun and free little mechanical game that's already out called Floating Point. Definitely someone to follow as he continues to create games. Yeah, I don't think we actually talked about the price, but um, I believe it's normal, it's standard price, which you know, games on Steam aren't often at. <laughs> it's uh, six mm. six pounds ninety nine, so I guess nine dollars. Or there stuff. are three versions of it: the basic version, okay. special edition, and the extended edition or extra special edition, uh, which just adds in soundtrack, yeah. uh, making of stuff like that um, at different tiers. Uh, but it's worth pointing out that it's um, as of as of recording, it's in a humble bundle, so it is uh, the sort of game that yeah. from now on you you may not be able to pick up in this humble bundle, but you'll be able to pick up for pennies that go to charity. I think that bundle offer will still be running to those uh, for those listeners who um, download and listen straight away. Um, should be on for another couple of days, um, and it looks like a terrific bundle with a, a bunch of games that either we've covered or we would like to. We, we may well be. Yeah. I don't know if it's available through other services. There, I know there are so many different, you know, digital outlets for PC games, but there's plenty of ways to get it. I'm sure, um, and for not too much money, even if you pay. Uh, what is quotes of the full price? And now, words in just three reviews from Twitter. Follow us at Canerince. Starting with James. Uh, yeah, Todinho says, Hyper Trousers Virtual Ad. Neckymancer says, Guard Punching Simulator. Chris Bratt says, Inspector Gadget Reboot. Graham Strachan says, Pixelated Punching Party. Chris Eason says, Jump, Hack, Bang. Frozen Treasure says, all aspects sublime. And Christopher Spann says, a faultless debut. Thanks, everybody. Uh, So it just leaves us to give our closing thoughts on Tom Francis' Gunpoint. Again, let's start with James, why not? Uh, Yes, indeed. 
I think the most refreshing thing about Gunpoint for me, uh, and Tom Francis has talked about this on on his blog, um, he put out a free demo way before the game was going to be released, and it was part of what encouraged him to eventually uh, to charge for the game. And he said that he was told by friends who'd who'd been talking to throughout who were game developers that that was just absolutely the wrong thing to do. You will lose sales, was what he says he was told. Um, and, and he said, but the only sales he'll lose are people who don't enjoy the game. So he doesn't see it as lost sales. And if he was going to give up his career as a writer to become a game developer, he doesn't want that to be under the purview of tricking people into buying a game that they it turns out they don't <laughs> yeah. like. And that is just such a refreshing way to look at making a game. And a lot of indie games have this kind of aspect. And I mentioned that the trust in that, that Tom Francis has put in the people who are going to buy this game, not just in the way they play the game and giving them all the tools and kind of letting them have their fun, making it almost a sandbox environment, even though sandbox often tends to mean open world in, in the sort of bigger AAA sphere. Um, but just to give a player tools and say, Here's a framework. Do something with that. That's a lot of trust required uh, from the developer and in the players that they're not then going to break the game in a way that he didn't want. Because what he's saying to the player is, go ahead, break the game. Absolutely break the game. Find a way to do this that I didn't envisage. That's what he wanted out of this. And, and for that vision, he absolutely did that to every every extent that it seems that he wanted to do. Um, the it, it feels like you come up with with a solution, which is why it seems like it's a puzzle game. But the truth is, there aren't many hurdles to overcome where there's only going to be one solution. And again, that's that's putting a lot of trust in in the player to find find their solution um, in a much more personal way than a lot of puzzle games would would uh, would manage. Um, and I think it's also wonderful to see the response he's had throughout this sort of uh, now four-year journey um, to, to make this game um, has been for the, the, his audience, if you like, the people who already followed him as a writer. They've put a lot of trust in him as well. They've said, you're trying to make a game. We will help you. We will become artists for your game because because it was blog readers who ended up submitting uh, and uh, submitting art and music that then selected the four or five people who helped him out in the game and that shows a lot of trust from the audience that they're saying to him we're going to support you in this we're going to help you if we can and when you ask us we will tell you that we will pay money for this we trust that what you're doing is is in the right way and it's the right sort of stuff that we want to play we want to see and we want to see more of and from that point of view gunpoint is incredibly refreshing um, it also helps that it's an incredibly fun game to play, and I enjoyed uh, every minute of of the three hours or so it took me to complete. And no regrets buying uh, one of the uh, the special editions that got me an, a bit of extra insight into the game. So yeah, I I, I loved it. Excellent, Josh. Uh, I've been pretty quiet on this podcast, but that's mainly because I've been silently nodding with <laughs> uh, everything my panelists have been saying. And and I will be brief here as well because I think James kind of summed up a lot of my thoughts on the game as well. All I'll say is it's it's really refreshing to play a game uh, that's that uses humour um, in the way this game does, and also that the 
it, it attempts to construct proper jokes instead of just constantly referencing memes and and TV shows that are popular at the time and other games and so forth and so on. Just having the bravery to attempt humour at this level is uh, really commendable because it's hard. Like, there's a reason why people say comedy's the hard one because it is very, very difficult to construct a joke that will make people laugh and not have to rely on uh, other material that you know so many games rely on other material and people going ha i know that reference whereas this game doesn't use that as a crutch it ticks all the boxes i have for what makes a great stealth game um big open environment that allows you to experiment check um you know plenty of room for experimentation just you know not punishing the player too much for failure and all that stuff it it really feels like it's a game much like mark of the ninja that's looked at other stealth games and seen what works and seen what doesn't and tried to fill it with all the things that people love about stealth games and avoid all the things that people dislike about stealth games um it's a you know it's a really, really polished, um, fantastic debut from Tom Francis, and my and much like what other people have said, my my only criticism really is that it's too short. Uh, I want more Gunpoint, and that's not really a criticism when you think about it. Uh, saying you want more of something is a bit of, is more of a compliment than anything. So yeah, uh, I I really really like Gunpoint. Cool. Thank you. Um, yes, I enjoyed it a lot too. I, I don't necessarily think it's quite so much my bag as maybe it is uh, the rest of the panels overall, um, just in terms of what I like. But there are lots of things I like about it. Um, the fact that it reminds me of some cool classic games like Impossible Mission and uh, Elevator Action. Um, it has uh, it has a sort of vibe about it that reminds me of the, um, the, the best of the um, sort of Amiga development era, era when cool games were coming out of um, relatively uh, small development teams with with lots of ideas and originality that um, you know so you were you could end up with a game um, where you play a sort of cyberpunk inspector gadget private detective who jumps around like a frog and Superman I, you know that that sort of the fact that it's it's kind of nonsensical but it all serves into this um sort of quite intricate puzzling stealthy gameplay um i you know i i i actually think you know i i think stealth bastard or stealth inc is is a is a pretty cool game and you know like the the versions that have come out on psn uh stealth inc and that are are really you know really really slick and they look great with all the shadow lighting and stuff like that but the problem the more the problem i have with those kind of games is that it is very much of the rigid one set path of solution and you know keep trying until you get it right um whereas i do like the fact that i felt like i was always moving forward in this game um and even if i did something that could have been you know i felt could have been um better or more appropriate for the game there's always a way of going back later doing it faster doing it quieter um especially once you've got your, your powered ups, power-ups and you're effectively playing a new game plus. Um, as I say, as regards to the plot, I completely got lost with it, but I still admired the writing and 
the the quality of obviously the thought that had gone into it and that's the same with everything else really and yeah I, I do still get a kick out of games where you get to kind of yeah it feels like you're you're going in a layer in that way like like ghost trick and, and like other things um to toy with torment the ai uh people present even if they are just little pixel high dudes um and yes it is quite short and it's quite easy i think um but as we've said there are uh there are user designed levels out there on steam which probably make a mockery of that criticism so uh so i retract it immediately and um and recommend this game and yeah especially as part if you're listening uh, at the right time as part of that humble bundle you really really can't go wrong ryan yeah, those who have followed the Canaan Rinse uh, written blog with our reviews and articles know that I tend to gravitate towards games that are kind of comedic in nature. That's sort of one of my uh, one of the big things that I look for in games, and I, I can be very picky when it comes to comedy and games. You know, they're a bit of a comedy snob at times. But I will say that uh, Gunpoint genuinely made me laugh all the way through and has some some very tight, very tight writing, uh, some very well-constructed comedy, which generally setting a comedy in such a complex story and in such like a uh, kind of like a dark tone can be difficult. But yeah, this game pulls it off tremendously and I hugely applaud that effort. And I think it's, it's it comes at an interesting time in gaming. Developers more and more write what they know and so a lot of the early text adventure games were very heavily inspired by like Dungeons and Dragons type story building experiences. Mm. Uh, games from the last generation drew a lot from from films, like you can see in Uncharted 2. Uh, a lot of the influence came from people who grew up watching a lot of films and wanting to recreate that Indiana Jones experience. And I think we're getting a, a generation of of game makers now who are confident enough to make games about being game makers mm -hmm. <laughs> in like the strictest sense of the word, like being writing the code and, um, you know, planning out the assets and like actually delving into the, the ones and zeros of the game. And so you see games like, like hack and slash, which uh double fine actually just released officially today on the date of recording and the magic circle, which is by some ex Bioshock devs still off in the future a ways that are very much like you are not only a character in this world, but you are also a programmer of this game. Use these programmer talents and use these game-making abilities to affect your world and make your character's journey possible. Uh, so really like playing a game from both perspectives, both looking in and looking out of it, and creating a balance of those two things in the way that gunpoint does is incredibly difficult but they're able to pull it off with such finesse um and i mean ultimately what it is it, it's two games that are layered on top of each other that you're playing at the same time one of them an action stealth game and one of them like a, a strict puzzle game and to be able to meld the two as well as it does make switching between the two of them as easy as it does i'm just impressed with everything this game manages to do. I had a ton of fun playing it, and it's one that I, I feel like I'd be happy to 
jump back in just for a couple levels here and there just to unwind from time to time because it really is just that uh that fun to pick up and play thanks ryan i think a measure of the man um thanks to darren gargett for pointing this out to me um tom francis is on his blog um he wrote an entry and made a let's play video about a game which is a self-professed um by its own author thomas uh a polish name that i'm probably pronouncing wrong um he described himself as a gunpoint ripoff uh it's a game called ronin um so uh Tom Francis says it's clearly not a gunpoint ripoff because the core mechanics are so different. A lot of what it does copy is superficial and that stuff doesn't matter. But the jump is pretty central. And if that was directly taken from gunpoint, I'm delighted. I wouldn't want anyone to reuse gunpoint's artwork or music, but the ideas in it are absolutely there for the taking. Every non-standard thing about it, from the jumping controls to the saving system, I did because I wanted more games to be that way. If there's actually a case where Gunpoint caused more games to work this way, that's a huge thrill for me. I, I really like the fact that he said that. And uh, apparently the, the author of Ronin's response was, this is most disappointing. I tried really hard to make a Gunpoint clone and he says it's not like Gunpoint. I really don't know what I've done wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's just a really nice uh, nod to the fact that we've now got people in charge of making games who they're a large part of how they define themselves or define themselves when they were younger is someone who plays video games. Um, and and so they obviously take a lot of their ideas. And, and Leon, you've mentioned a few examples that were possibly even before Tom Francis' yeah. time of games that, that he may have consciously or unconsciously um, taken nods yeah. from in making his game. It would therefore be incredibly uh, churlish and, and uh, silly of him to... To to have take issue with someone taking something from his game and how flattering uh, to to have have made this game and, and be surprised by its success and then have someone say they are purposefully trying to yeah. to, to make your game or take an aspect from your game and use that uh, it, it's just yeah it, it must just be a wonderful feeling for him to to have had that journey and and now have uh, not only success in terms of the game, but in terms of a legacy for the game and an impact on other people. So it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank James, Josh and Ryan and to tell you that next time in issue 146, it's Tim Schafer's pion to the cliched majesty of heavy metal, Brutal Legend.